Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Welcome to Healing the Spirit and welcome to this episode. I am really excited to be sharing with you some of my contemplations for this coming week. Um, It is a really exciting week, I think. We have a new moon in Gemini and yeah, before I begin and before I really get into it, um, as always, my invitation is for you to allow yourself to turn inwards and to really listen to your own knowing as you are making space for contemplating alongside me and as you are listening to me share some of my own thoughts and some of my own reflections about the coming week. um, Notice what's stirring up within you and really listen to that knowing, really listen to that feeling sense of what it is specifically that you may be working with in your own life and in your own reality. Um, The other thing that I want to mention too is that if you happen to find this episode outside of the week that I'm talking about, consider the possibility that there's something about the energy of what I'm talking about or there's something about the content of what I'm talking about that may be relevant for you whenever you might find this episode. Okay, so let's get into it. So this week, we start off with a pretty quiet first half of the week um, by way of transits and by way of aspects. And uh, starting Thursday, the 15th, Mercury in Gemini will square Saturn in Pisces. On Saturday, Mercury will sextile Venus in Leo. Saturn will station retrograde. And then we will have a new moon in Gemini. And this new moon in Gemini squares Neptune in Pisces. Uh, Both the sun and the moon are uh, conjoined Juno in Gemini. And the ruler of both the luminaries, right, both the sun and the moon, uh, is Mercury. And Mercury is in Gemini, which is in its home sign. And then on Sunday, the 18th, sun in Gemini will square Neptune in Pisces. So... As you can probably tell, the two signs that are featured quite prominently in the astrology of this coming week are Gemini and Pisces, right? And to me, Gemini and Pisces really speak to transcendent experiences. Gemini speaks to that moment, right, or those experiences when our brain almost wants to explode, when the edges of, um, we get to the edges of when words almost has no meaning because there are so many of them. Um, And then Pisces speaks to the land of no words, right? When we experience such emotional or spiritual depth and intensity such that words completely fail us, right? To me, Gemini is the journalistic and Pisces is the cinematic, right? Both Gemini and Pisces and 
One can even argue all the mutable signs are really about the dissolution of boundaries as we know it, or boundaries as we define it. Mutable signs are really all about releasing. So in astrology, if you are familiar with uh, the primer of the system of astrology, the different signs, right, of which there are 12 of them, have different modalities. Um, and I like to think about modalities as really uh, referring to directionality, right? So we always begin with the cardinal signs. Cardinal signs start something, right? They initiate that first moment of friction, the kind of big bang that holds enough energy to begin allowing the whole thing to unfurl. Cardinal signs are then followed by fixed signs, and fixed signs maintain that which cardinal signs started. Fixed signs illuminate, they preserve, they deepen into the essence of the thing that we have at hand, right? Cardinal signs are then followed by mutable signs, and mutable signs, as the name kind of suggests, mutable signs mutate, right? They question, they disrupt, they synthesize, they conclude, they alchemize, right? They make way for something new, something that on the surface wasn't really present before. Now, Gemini and Pisces are both mutable signs, right? And so there's kind of this instability to how the energies of Gemini and Pisces express. There's a certain kind of stop and go quality to them, right? And in many ways, mutability, I think, gets a bad reputation in our culture because we live in a culture that is kind of cut off from nature, right? We aspire to live within eternal summers. We want to be happy all the time, right? When people aren't happy all the time, um, we work really hard to find, to ascribe labels that, um, you know, can describe these states, right? That aren't 100% ideal when most of the time, I would say that they're really simply part of life. Like you're not supposed to be happy all the time right? Um, and oftentimes, the times when we are not in that upswing, it really is simply that we're just supposed to rest, you know, that we're supposed to not uh, go through like business as usual, right? And, and yet it can feel really hard to kind of step off that continual um, hamster wheel, right? Um, we live in a culture where we're supposed to continue in this linear fashion growing, right? Um, where, where when we have a business or when we have um, a practice, we're supposed to continue getting better. We're supposed to continue making more money, right? Um, when in reality, when you look at plants, like obviously during, during winter time, they wither, right? They, they go into hibernation, animals go into hibernation. Um, nature kind of has its own cycle, right? And so we have lived in, in a time where we're pretty cut off from that cycle. And so oftentimes, uh, we don't know how to deal with this. We don't know how to deal with that stop and go quality, right? Or we're maybe less skilled around it. Um, that mutability within us, right? That instability um, are often vilified, right? You can see this with um, a lot of meme astrology, right? As much as I love them, um, 
ascribe qualities like being two-faced or being fake or a charlatan to the sign of Gemini, right? Whereas Pisces gets a reputation for being flaky, for being meek, for being withdrawn or antisocial, right? So let's talk about the deeper um, kind of spiritual um, agenda, right, of Gemini and Pisces or orientation of Gemini and Pisces. To me, Gemini and Pisces both have this quality of dissolving, right? Gemini dissolves binaries with words, right? Gemini understands that ultimately words are portals, words are symbolic, words are sonic, textural, they're tactile experiences, right? And that meaning is sometimes attached to words, but sometimes not, right? I think what's really incredible about Gemini is that Gemini understands that words can be played with, right? That words are ultimately um, about having a certain level of acrobatic ability to um, conjure something up, right? That words are really vessels or portals that inspire something deeper, right? Something beyond the words themselves. Like you may even experience this as I'm talking right now, right? I'm using words, obviously, that you're understanding. But as you can, probably as you're listening to, to the salad of words that I'm presenting here, there's something within you that's also being stirred up that is more than the words that I'm saying, right? And this is actually such an interesting experience because whether you like it or not, this is what the human mind does, right? It's almost like this is what I discover through doing readings and teaching and creating this podcast that oftentimes um, the experience of receiving someone's words go way beyond um, the words themselves, right? Very, very rarely do you get the experience of listening to what someone is saying and getting precisely what it is that they mean, right? There's always a sort of translation that happens and there's always an interpretation that happens and that's where the magic of life happens, right? Because no matter how precise I try to make my words, you're always going to receive it slightly differently because you're not me right? You live a different experience. You're in a different body. You're not looking at literally, right? The, the window, the scenery that I'm looking at while I'm recording this, you're probably walking around or you're probably washing the dishes as I'm, as you're listening to this. And you and I are not in the same reality, right? And so even if my words are super precise, they're going to land um, for you and into your field in a way that I can control, right? So there's kind of an inherent trickster quality to using our words because our words are never 100% perfect. They never get at exactly what it is that we're trying to get at. Meanwhile, P Pisces, right, dissolves binaries with feelings and with what lie beyond the realm of feelings. Pisces understands that ultimately words don't even matter. Have you ever had that experience of looking across the room, you know, with someone who is your best friend or your partner or someone who really understands you, and with one glance, you know exactly what they're talking about, 
right? Um, you can send and receive messages without even uttering a word, right? Not a single word needs to be said. Sometimes a glance, you know, means a thousand words, right? Or sometimes maybe I can even show a picture, right? Or a painting or a sigh and you get this whole universe of meaning before I even have the words for it, right? So Pisces is that experience, right? That human experience of understanding before we even had the words to describe it, that sometimes words fail us because words take us into this realm that needs to be processed a little bit more. And so our experiences, you know, are precise, right? Um, that, that our experiences are sometimes untranslatable and that using words can be an inefficiency, right? Gemini and Pisces both have um, lessons around what it means to not fully understand and to not fully be understood. Both these signs speak to the qualities within and outside of us that defy categorization, that defy expectations, that defy norms. So what happens when we have cosmic happenings, right? Cosmic weather, cosmic um, energies or vessels that hinge on these two signs kind of interacting with one another, right? First of all, let's get a little technical and um, focus on what it means that these two signs are in a square with one another, right? Meaning if you look at them in the wheel of the zodiac, you notice that they are 90 degrees apart from one another, right? And so when signs kind of square one another, the experience of two of them juxtaposed together or, or two of them being being present within the sky right um, may feel like a huge contrast it may bring up some level of conflict there may be a certain level of discomfort around them right when signs square one another the experience of um of them can can feel um unsettling a little bit right but the reality is that signs that are squaring one another, they really need one another. They depend on one another. And depending on one another can be a highly uncomfortable experience, right? On top of that, Gemini is ruled by Mercury and Pisces is traditionally ruled by Jupiter, right? So Mercury and Jupiter exhibit qualities that are very different. So Gemini and Pisces fundamentally have different styles and they perhaps also have different agenda, right? Despite everything that I was saying about the ways that they also connect earlier, right? That they dissolve boundaries and things like that. The style and how they go about doing this, right? Um, how it's showing up may be very different. And so some of the ways that this may express is internally, um, we may experience that, you know, this, this Gemini experience may show up as having mental resolutions to do something. Maybe you even talk to other people about it. You even put it down on your calendar, right? I think Gemini is a sign that really likes to get logistical about things and also likes to get theatrical and conversational about things. Um, and then Pisces may show up as not really feeling like it 
right? When the time comes, it's like an example that I like to give, which by the way, I'm a Gemini moon and a Pisces sun. So this is a very common, common occurrence for me where, uh, you get really excited, right? By an invitation to hang out with someone or to go to a party or to go to an event. And then the day comes and you check in with your body and with your, um, with your internal experience and you're like, no, I just really want to curl up in bed, right? Like that can be your experience. You may have this conflict between what um, you feel like you are available for versus what you're actually available for. On an external level, you know, you may you may have all of these different brilliant ideas, you know, um, on a felt sense, right? Um, to me, this is very much like the Piscean experience. Like sometimes I get these downloads that feel so visceral, right? That I'm like, wow, this is the best idea ever. And then as I sit down and I think about, um, how do I, how do I talk about this? Right? How do I gather other people around this idea? You know, as I'm beginning to put some intellectual framework around it, it may start to feel like, hey, this is actually quite different from what I was feeling earlier. You know, you might find that as you go deeper into making plans, into talking about it, that um, it shifts, right? That the, the felt sense of it shifts. And this makes a lot of sense because I think, you know, um, you may have heard of this magical adage, right? Um, as above, so below. But also the reality is that line is followed by as below, so above, right? So there's kind of this interactive quality, I think, to a lot of um, our work as humans in this world. So sometimes we receive inspiration. And then as we begin translating it outwards, we find that um, it shifted. You know, the quality of the transmission, the initial transmission actually shifts. The energy shifts because the the vessel shifts, right? The words that we use around it shifts. This may not be inherently good or bad, but it may be jarring, right? It it may just be really different from what it is that you had in mind when it first came to you. And then I think this is where we, we run into a little bit of um, a struggle, right? Around do I follow the initial hunch or the initial thing that came to me? Do I um, stand by the the raw transmission that I first received? Or do I allow um, my experience and time and external uh, responses to also shape it, right? I think this is what in a lot of artistic circles, people often talk about, don't compromise, right? This is a lot harder than it sounds because oftentimes it's not even about compromising. It's that with each step of the way, you are continually change, right? So this again goes back to the idea of Gemini and Pisces both being mutable signs. And to me, as someone who is highly mutable, I have really had to learn to appreciate the gifts of mutability, right? To me, the gifts of mutability is the awareness and experience that the vessel is not the essence, right? The cup is not the water. The house is not the home, right? The label is not the entirety of the experience, which is always emergent and always alive. And so ultimately, mutable signs teach us of our inherent flexibility, 
right? That even when we have to bend, even when the shape changes, our essence is not threatened. This is very important, right? Because again, going back to the idea of thinking about compromise, you know, people often say, I regret that I have to compromise, right? The reality is that changes are very often not threats to our essence, even though they certainly can feel like threats to our nervous system, to our bodies, right? Rather, changes actually bring you opportunities to get closer to a felt sense or to an understanding of your essence. Think about it in this way, right? You can see this with a lot of artists. So um, I think a great example of this is Picasso, right? If you are into visual arts, you know that Pablo Picasso really moves through these very distinct uh, phases, right, in his um, artistic practice. So there was like the blue period, you know, and then like going more into abstract um, representation, right, of, of art. And so when you look at it and when you look at the whole body of work that Picasso kind of came up with, it wasn't that Picasso compromises, is that Picasso allows the expression of their essence to really shift over time, right? You also see this with, um, you know, composers like Beethoven, right? Or uh, musicians like Taylor Swift, you know? Think about Taylor Swift. I mean, for, for a second, humor me here, right? Like, think about how different, right? She sounded singing uh, Speak Now, the album, um, or whatever album it was that had that Romeo and Juliet song versus, um, you know, um, Reputation, right? Or uh, the most recent album, which, I don't know, the name escapes me at the moment, right? But like, these are two different versions of Taylor Swift. Very, very different, right? Uh, Lana Del Rey, you know, also shifts a lot, right? I think you see this a lot in in artists because they live um, or are people who are publicly artists because they live in very public ways with their art, right? And changes to their bodies, changes to their external circumstances, changes to how they approach their work, right? Are not really threats to their essence. It simply helps them uh, hone in on different facets of their essence, right? When we think about the essence itself, the essence is this kind of uh, field, right? This, this morphic field that um, consists of many different facets. And so changes in our reality helps us inhabit or uh, hone in on different facets of our reality, right? They're not, or they don't have to be threats. They can be threats, but they don't have to be threats, right? And so to ground and anchor us into this week, my invitation is to ponder upon, reflect upon times in your life where something doesn't go according to your plan, right? Perhaps a relationship breaks apart or certain contract dissolves or certain jobs continue or, or stop serving you, right? Um, certain circumstance start to not work out anymore, right? And for some time, maybe you are completely lost at sea. But then 
the experience of being lost at sea itself actually shows you who you who you are have you had that experience and if so i want you to conjure up that experience right that change yes can be threatening and i think there's even like scientific research that has talked about this right that our brains are more primed to focus on the ways that we um have uh been unsuccessful maybe in in the experience of navigating change right that that experiences that are painful are much more impactful for us and much more they, they stick longer for us than uh actually safe experiences or ex like experiences where you get through changes uh safely or experiences that are actually pleasant right think about the many times that uh change happens unexpectedly but it was actually a relief right um in other words have you had experiences where you lost the form but you actually found your essence an experience where the cup fell and broke into pieces but you actually discovered the magic of the substance that's been held or maybe even obscured by the cup, right? Maybe all this time you were admiring the cup when actually when the cup breaks, you realize what's important is the water inside the cup, right? So if I have to be practical, I would say that this week has a potential to bring up a lot of unpredictability um, internally or externally, especially around the new moon. And some of the unpredictability may be welcome. It may feel like a sigh of relief and others may totally derail you, right? But um, I think the invitation here is to consider the possibility that change and unpredictability may be your most powerful teacher, right? So here are some central questions to contemplate especially with this new moon in Gemini, where the ruler of the luminaries, which is Mercury, is in their home sign of Gemini, right? Um, how, can, how can we collaborate with changing circumstances rather than resisting them? How can we invite the force of change to assist us in experiencing life even more deeply, even more fully, right? What is needed, right, to facilitate um, this ability to collaborate with circumstances that are changing, right? Um, how do you welcome the force of change rather than reject it? What I think is often needed is a rearranging of the furniture of your reality, right, of some sort. If you're the kind of person, so I, I want to speak to to two possible um reactions to this right so okay first of all before i get to that i just want to say that this new moon feels to me very potent right so going back to what i said a moment earlier both the sun and the moon are in gemini and then their ruler mercury is also in gemini right and so there's a lot of potential in this new moon in gemini to seed something and you may get a little distracted because this new moon squares Neptune, right? And Neptune rules confusion, 
Neptune rules uh, distraction. Neptune rules the dream world, right? Things may feel kind of hazy, but my invitation is for you to feel into what are some of the anchors, right? What are some of the ways that you can anchor yourself so that you don't get necessarily lost in the dream? Doesn't mean you can't participate in a dream, right? You absolutely can participate in the dream world or in the fantasy world so long as it also helps you kind of anchor or set an intention to anchor into something that you might want to seed within this new moon, right? Um, this is a new moon. I, I don't always work with astrology consciously. Sometimes I think when we, I mean, okay, I don't want to make generalizations. Everyone has their own way. And I would say, it's more important that you feel into what is available for you at this moment and what feels nourishing and what also simultaneously challenges you to live from your own place of the truth of who you are in this moment, right? It's not about, you know, listening to what I say or what anybody says about what to do in this new moon or this full moon or whatever, right? It's not about that. I want to be very clear about that. But I think this new moon has a lot of potent potential for you to really spend some time to actively reflect, right? Gemini is a diurnal sign. Gemini is an active sign, right? Gemini is not the sign that just sits back and receive. Gemini is a sign that I think learns something from doing the thing, right? Gemini like jumps in first, answers the questions first, and then think later. Right? There's kind of like that quality to Gemini. So my invitation is for you to work with this actively. And so I want to speak to two possible experiences right, that you might have when trying to work on this. And you can feel into which camp you kind of belong to. If you are the kind of person who likes to work with goals, with plans, right? You like to really put things down on a calendar. You like to sit down every new moon or full moon and you like to plan things out. You like to feel into what my intentions are. You pull some cards around it, right? My invitation for this new moon is for you to go a little deeper, right? Don't get satisfied with just thinking about what is my intention for this cycle, right? Or what is my intention until the full moon in Gemini, which happens later in Sag season uh, this, this year, right? Like in December-ish. Um, feel into what you may imagine you may get on the other end of accomplishing the goal, right? Oftentimes when we have a goal, or when we have a plan, we also have associated with it consciously or subconsciously this belief about who, we'll, who we will become when you complete the project, when you achieve what it is that you're planning to do, right? And so what I want you to do, what I want you to entertain is the possibility that you don't have to wait to get to the other end of things, right? To get to actually accomplishing your goal in order for you to start embodying the qualities of being this person, right? Who is this person on the other end of what it is that you wish to become or what it is that you wish to, um, to complete, right? How do they speak? How do they walk? What do they wear, right? What small or large decisions do they make? Don't wait to get to the goal in order to be the person, 
And one caveat I will say, I, I don't think I even need to say this, but obviously be reasonable, right? If for, for example, if your goal is financial, right? Don't go out and buy something that requires you to put a $10,000 credit card debt, right? Make sure that whatever it is that you follow up on, it doesn't harm you and doesn't harm others, right? Rather, focus on the internal qualities, right? Focus on the mindset that, which, you know, is a funny word. I don't, I barely use that word, but for this, for this particular one, I think this is very relevant because Gemini does rule the mental realm, right? Um, what is the mindset of this person that you hope to become? And what happens when you approach your reality from practicing, um, interacting with your reality through that mindset, right? See what happens when you play around with that. And then I think there's also the other end of the spectrum, which is you may be the kind of person who sees reality as constantly shifting. You see reality as this conveyor belt of experiences, right? And then you put your hands up in the air and you're like, too much is changing. I refuse to make plans. I'm not going to plan anything. I'm not going to commit to anything because everything is always changing anyway, right? Um, <laughs> I want to address by first admitting that I tend to belong to this camp, right? With 75% of my life, I'm the kind of person for whom planning is very challenging. I told you I was a very mutable person, right? Um, I don't like to plan because I tend to get a little bit overwhelmed by seeing all the different possible scenarios. And for each of the little variation of the scenario, I seem to have a different plan, right? This is funny because this is something that infuriates a lot of people that I'm around because sometimes I'm the kind of person who's like, um, I don't know what we should plan or I don't know really what I want because if this happens, then this would be my best option. If this happens, then this would be my best option. If that happens, this would be my best option, right? Um, first of all, I just want to say that if you are in this camp, first of all, I see you, right? And I want to acknowledge that, yes, you have a very potent gift for seeing nuances and for dealing with complexity. I want to honor that, right? Second of all, I also understand that and this is not something that I always really see when it's happening, but I, in hindsight, I always know this to be, to be true. That some level of resistance towards making any sort of plan is present because there's something there that's kind of crunchy for you to look at, right? There's often like a masking of fear of disappointment, you know, um, fear of not getting what you want, fear of being embarrassed that you say what you want and then you don't get it, right? Or commit to doing what you want and then it kind of falls flat, you know? Essentially, there's a fear of failure that's kind of masking itself as this like, oh, I am this really enlightened, wise person. Like, I don't need to make plans. I don't need to put things on my calendar. I don't need to shift my external reality because I am aware that things are always changing and I allow the universe to bring whatever into my field, right? 
which is true but also untrue so i just want to mention that this can be very tender right so i want you to treat this with compassion and add a little sprinkle of humor into this right if this is you my invitation for this new moon is for you to actually make some plans right and keep it simple keep it real but make it a plan right really feel into what's important for me commit to it right here's the trick understand that you are fundamentally correct right your plans will get derailed circumstances will change right however I think the real magic of making plans isn't that the plan itself will will uh, be realized, right? But the possibility that planning is actually an energetic opening up, an energetic um, signaling of your ability to collaborate with the universe and with reality itself, right? Your goal may not be achieved through the means that you were hoping for. They may not happen through the plans that you laid out, right? And let me give you a spoiler. Chances are they absolutely will not, right? It, it, there will be so many different variations, so many different derailments from the original plan that, um, yeah, by the time you look back, it will seem as if planning was completely useless. This is true right however making plans and committing to doing the first few steps isn't really about getting it done in a certain way right again like i mentioned it's about creating that opening you're basically saying hey reality i am available to partnering with you right it's about meeting your reality halfway it's it's about creating it's about saying yes right to um getting your desires fulfilled, getting your needs met, right? And so um, one final thing I, I want to say about this new moon is that I am not the kind of astrologer who, and maybe this speaks to all of my mutable placement, that is like, oh, you have to do it within a certain time period, you know? I would say that the energy is already present, the, the energy is already kind of here, it depends on the transit itself. Theoretically speaking, yes. You know, doing reflections, doing rituals, or whatever it is that you want to do around the new moon can be very potent, especially if you are that kind of person, you know. But I would say, like, do it now. It's better done than not done, honestly. So if you're listening to this and you're already feeling like, oh, this is really firing me up. I really want to start making plans. I would say just do it now. Like, even if it's not like, don't you don't need to wait until whenever it is that um, the new moon happens. Right. Which I think is on uh, Saturday. Right. You don't need to wait until Saturday to actually do all of these things. Right. Um, if you're listening to this at the beginning of the week, that's quite a long way away. Don't, don't wait. Just don't wait, right? Just do it now. <laughs> and and let it be potent, right? Let, let it live with you for some time. I, I, I'm not dogmatic about um, when to do the work with 
doing these internal astrological work, right? I think it may be really potent for some people to do it on Saturday, for others, it remember that it's better done than not done. That's it. That's all I want to say. Um, one final, final thing is that the experience of this week, when I just kind of feel into it, for at least some of us, may be quite emotional, and it may be quite visceral. And the reason why I say this is because all of these planets right in Pisces that are being activated, namely Saturn and Neptune, they're both answering to Jupiter and Taurus, right? And they will be for the rest of the year. And so I think anytime we have a Piscean activation in the sky, you may experience it like on a pretty visceral level. You know, it, it may be like often Pisces to me is like the dream world, right? Or like people talk about Pisces as like the spiritual realm. But I think because it's answering to Jupiter and Taurus, um, which is quite corporeal. Uh, Jupiter and Taurus is ruled by Venus. Jupiter and Taurus focuses on the body. You may really need to kind of dance it off. You may need to shake it off, right? Allow the activation that's happening on an emotional level to uh, move through you, right? And know that you can love, you can celebrate amidst losses. That even if a wave of grief is coming up, right? Even if you feel yourself kind of in this really intense experience of um, feeling things, know that you can feel all of the things and that doesn't stop you from fully participating, fully, fully loving and fully celebrating your life in this moment, right? Um, and also when you're experiencing transcendent emotional moment, Words may not come easily, right? So allow the possibility that you can give yourself permission to lean into that experience without having to explain it, without having to contextualize it, without having to talk about it, right? If you don't want to, you can just feel your feelings and then let it be that, you know, you don't, you don't need to translate it into some mental framework that anybody else needs to understand, right? What if you spend your energy instead just fully feeling the whole spectrum of that experience, right? And let that be, um, let that be like a cinematic experience for yourself. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Um, this is quite a long and involved uh, contemplation this week. I hope that some of you really enjoy it. I hope some of you uh, experience uh, the benefit of it. I hope it inspires you. If you would like to receive a reading, I am available to doing readings. Reach out to me. I would love to hold space for you. I would love to uh, share what I... Um, share the experience of looking at your chart and sitting across from you. And um, yeah, if you feel like looking at your chart will be helpful for you in some way that it will be clarifying or illuminating, I'm available for chart readings. And um, yeah, if you have been enjoying this podcast, I uh, request humbly that you leave a review. Um, it really is very helpful to receive reviews because they help 
other people find this podcast, other people for whom this offering may be really potent. Um, yeah, that's it. I am so grateful for you and um, I am sending you so much love and um, I can't wait until we meet again. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.